Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast, Ask the Expert Edition. I'm Andy Hebel, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today we're here with expert Matt Trainum, who is the Vice President, Networks and Strategic Partnerships at the Council of Independent Colleges. Welcome, Matt. Well, Kelly, good to be here again. Always a pleasure. Nice to see you again, Matt. So today's question is... When and what is the best way to reach out to an employer who's had your application for several months and no communication, even though you meet both the minimum and preferred qualifications? I've been applying to many positions where I meet both the minimum and preferred qualifications, but either no communication before or after a position is filled or the position goes away. Should a candidate for a specific position contact the hiring department if there is no communication regarding the position being filled? Wow, what a scenario. I think the part that might have cued all of us is the several months part, right? A job posting for several months and no communication. Here is just a very immediate reflection. This is not about the candidate, right? So a lack of response for several months is about the employer and the employer's HR practices and how they're managing the flow of applicants. And so I, I will say that I am continually surprised by what some might use the term of sort of an unprofessional or a lack of follow-up to applicants in pools. I will say this also attempting to say it in a non-judgmental way. I've moved past my point of judging places for not managing client applications and communicating well, more to just helping candidates understand that it is not uncommon that you won't get responses from jobs that you apply to. And that that is largely simply a process piece for that employer. Sometimes you might use that to judge and evaluate the employer. Often, I think it's simply an HR process that I try to move myself past once I finally make contact with the employer. So this is me responding to the general idea that I've applied to a job that I haven't heard back, that I've applied to maybe several jobs, have not heard back, that maybe I've applied and I see the job posted again and I apply again and I still don't hear anything. I will say to the candidates in that position, it is not about you. Move on from that. Whatever they're looking for, you're not hitting that sweet spot. And that is okay. They might have changed their mind. They might not have a clear understanding of what they want. Your application, which fits exactly what they described they wanted, might have highlighted to them that that's actually not the kind of candidate they want. They might need a different kind of candidate. Issues on campus can pop up. All of that can happen. So I want to talk more about how to follow up in a minute, but I'll stop there for a second just on the, gosh, I keep applying and not hearing I'd love to hear from y'all on what you think about that. I think I'm going to start with, remember in a job search, I don't want to be the top choice necessarily that they want for that position. I want to be the choice they hire. So I would caution hope, patience, and optimism when you're dealing with this. When you see, and this is absolutely known in the industry, it's not just in higher education, it's everywhere. This is the black hole. You put something into the black hole, nothing comes out. Right. And at that point, Matt, I think you're exactly right. Own it. Understand this is what it is. Don't take it personally. But keep your hope, keep your optimism, and keep the idea that you want to be the candidate that's hired. Not every first choice or second choice or third choice is the candidate that gets hired. And if you're going to ask, maybe you want to, that's okay. That's your prerogative hey, was that your first choice? And they say, oh no, you were my fourth choice. And you're gonna say, well, then I'm not gonna take the job if I was your fourth choice. That's a choice you have to make, okay? I could see that that would bother some people. 
at least for me, I'm one who's okay being the one who's hired and taking the opportunity and showing them, well, gosh, Andy should have been my first choice. That's what I would probably want to do in that situation. I know for jobs that I received back when I was younger that I was not the first choice, and I'm okay with that. I would say now, and I'm going to flip it on the employer side, I can understand part of the process while a process is live, the communication is not what we aspire to want or how we want to be treated. I get that. I think it's a huge advantage for employers and reflects very well on your institution if you can provide that real-time communication. I think it's the humane and right thing to do, but sometimes it's difficult. The unforgivable part is if you have hired somebody and they are in that position and you have not let every candidate know that you filled that position, I believe that is absolutely wrong in every sense of the word. And you really need to think about why you're doing that because it's just simply impolite and inconsiderate to somebody who's taken some time to apply to your ad. I agree. Thanks, Andy. I wanted to reference something that you were saying, Matt, regarding it could be a good time to evaluate the process and see if you'd be a good fit for that organization based on their feedback or lack of feedback. Kind of going on the emotional side, I want to be wanted. I don't want to be at an organization where like, I have to beg them to respond to me for that position. So it doesn't matter to me if, if you're the first or the fourth. If you're wanted and they see it's a good fit, then I'm good with that. I feel like people want to know that they are appreciated no matter what order they receive that offer in. You know, organizationally, professionally, everything that you both are saying resonates and I feel like it's exactly right. I loved your impolite. Andy, you sounded so mad at the institutions <laughs> not being polite. And, and you're right to be that angry at institutions not being polite. I have multiple stories of high-ranking, like VP-level, presidential-level visits to campus, and then not hearing anything back for two or three months. I mean, this is after you go to campus and not hearing back, right? So imagine how those people feel, let alone just doing the applicant. So having acknowledged that, and you both are exactly right, if an institution gets it right, institutions are so legally scared of anything they say. And having been in that space, there's a lot of messaging you can do that never gets close to that legal threshold but institutions are still scared to message. I just want to pull out and just say one other comment though. I have found that if I just look at all of this as an administrative annoyance and move my emotion out of it, I am a far better candidate. And so I'm Agreed. not going to worry about it. I, you can see these flow charts that people post now and then. I applied for 160 jobs. I didn't hear back from hundred of them. I heard back from 60. I got an interview for 20. All that matters is that one little line at the end, there's the job I got. And so, Andy, your, your list of, uh, of adjectives, of personal traits, perseverance, right, of just keeping on, keeping on, I think is great. I want to move to a moment to the second part of the question of, so what do I do if I've applied to a job and I feel like I am a very good fit and I have not heard back from someone there? What do I do? I'm going to give a thought back to that. And we might go into a point counterpoint because I'm probably going to be as a person who has looked for jobs in the last few years, more pushy in this space than perhaps some of my colleagues online here. I find no problem with reaching out to both my network that might be connected to the specific role and also potentially the hiring supervisor. I find no problem with doing that. I'm going to say that there is a, when I say no problem, there is a risk to that. You've got to do it well. You've got to do it short. You don't get to do it more than really once. But I do not find a problem. If I have a job posted and somebody's applied 
And I get a short email that just says, hey, I just applied to this role, just wanted to reach out directly and say, you know, it looks like a fascinating position. I think I can help solve those problems. I'm excited to talk more with you if that ever happens. I'm just going to say, if you want the job and you haven't heard back, I don't think that you get a demerit by doing that once. Counterpoint to that, my colleagues, anyone? I like the demerit ranking. I agree. I think it depends on, from my perspective, how badly you want that job and how much you think you're the perfect fit. Like if it's kind of like a, you know, I'd like that job and you think you could get it, then that's one one way. But if you know you are really qualified for that job and you want to get your interest in front of that hiring manager, I'm with you, Matt. I don't think a one time just touching base, I'm interested, I would love to talk to you further, is not going over the line of being annoying or a ridiculous job seeker. I see Andy thinking, so I'm curious to see what what his thoughts are on this. I actually echo both. I like the general rule quite a bit. And Kelly, I think you're also the right path as well. I think it's more nuanced. I think there's places where using your network as more of an end around to the system can get you a demerit, even if it's a first time. I also think, and this is, this is a generational question, I think it's important to understand that now going to the hiring manager, just asking for a status update, generally okay. I would probably suggest that by email and just see what you get. And if you don't get a response to it, you got to leave it be. If you want to use a phone call, that's not necessarily something I'd suggest. Matt's here kind of- Yeah, I, I would not suggest a phone call either. I Coach think I, I'm, totally, I'm totally with you. A nice email outreach, perfectly good because I can ignore that. So if I'm hiring someone, I can ignore it or not ignore it. I can respond. I can be enthusiastic. I can do whatever I want. A phone call is a, is a little different. I agree. But what I wanted to say about the phone call is if you get a response to the email, I would think of it kind of like a phone call. Did the response in the conversation look like the person wanted to engage further? And you might be having an ability, if it was a telephone conversation, they said, well, you know, the job is still open and we really liked your candidacy. That's what everybody wants to hear. And we're sorry we're taking too long. A response back saying, thanks for letting me know. I really appreciate it. I want to reiterate my candidacy, still a genuine interest. I think I'd be a great fit. That's okay. But if you come back with, hey, I can hop on a plane tomorrow and come and be on an interview, reel that back in. You've gotten the information you're looking for. You now know you're a pretty good candidate. For some reason, they haven't brought you in. And once again, you know the position's still open. But here's the other nuance to it. Matt, you were talking about interviewing as a president. If you've already interviewed for that position and you have relationships with the parties because you've met them in real life, I think a phone call is appropriate. I think a follow-up is appropriate. And once again, I think it comes down to courtesy. Once you've had that relationship and you've asked of my time to come see you and interview, you owe me the decency to at least engage and give me an update. And if they're holding off, you need to respect that. They might be in the middle of the process. You might be number two, wait to see how it goes with number one. But if they don't respond in a month to your inquiry, I do think as far as assigning demerits, that's a demerit at that point. <laughs> if you're candidate number two or number three, and they don't have the time in the month to kind of let you know the search is still active and they come back to you, that is a red flag for me. It's a huge red flag. And the maybe caveat I would put to that is, I think a lot of times when folks are using search firms, 
the employer, the institution might anticipate a level of communication coming back from the search firm that isn't really happening. So sometimes I would offer a little grace for when there's a search firm engaged, which isn't to say that's excusable, but sometimes there's a belief the search firm might be doing differently than it is doing. In a sort of similar way, an HR department is sometimes an internal search place, right? And you might be thinking the HR office is communicating more than it should. So this goes back to, I just try to remember these are administrative processes. But Andy, once you've connected with the actual group and talked with them, 100% they owe you something. I also just want to acknowledge, and we've said this a variety of times, we talk here about, quote unquote, using networks, and our networks are not evenly distributed they're not equal starting points for everybody. And that is also an unfair reality of the search process and of the search world. And as we talk about utilizing networks, it's just hard for me not to say that out loud. I know that some folks might've, I mean, it's, it's unfairly distributed in all sorts of ways. I went to Texas A&M for my grad program. It's a huge school. Already I'm in a massive network. It's a huge grad program. I'm in a massive network. I might've gone to an amazing program at a small school that just didn't tap me into that same network. We can create some other breakdowns that that distribute networks not evenly. So just another thought on that. We want to hear what you've had an experience with the black hole and with following up and where you found your sweet spot for the times to talk and engage and the times to, like Matt said, wait it out and see what happens. So please email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or tweet us at higheredjobs. I'd like to remind you once again, the way this episode started was somebody like you sent us a question and we like responding to them. Thank you for listening to the Higher Ed Jobs podcast. We'll talk to you soon.